I'm seeing parents getting nasty with officials. I see kids complaining about calls. I see coaches doing this. Hey everybody, this is Pat Cohan with the AD Insider Podcast. Today I get to take you to Columbus, Ohio, inside the Ohio Athletic Directors Conference, where I had a conversation with Joe Kimling, the athletic director at Madera High School. In our conversation, Joe and I discussed change and how he was able to help his school and later his school district change their core covenants, get the student body to buy into those core covenants, and create ways for this system to renew itself every year. Not recreate itself, but renew itself. Before we get started, this podcast is powered by Clawade Coaches Directory, the team that has been helping coaches and administrators connect for close to 60 years. If you haven't already, download their app and update your school's information today. All right, go ahead, cancel your beatings, close the door, go for a walk, put down the phone, turn up the volume as we take you inside this conversation with Joe Kimling of Madera High School. Joe, thanks a lot for coming down here and, and sitting with us. Give us some context of the school, size, you know, where it's located, and then roll into kind of what it was like pre your big change in the culture. Yeah, so Madeira is a suburb of Cincinnati. Uh, I would call it a very middle class uh, community, uh, very middle to upper middle. Uh, so geographically, very small, landlocked, lots of schools near us. Um, so we have some, um, I don't have the struggles uh, at my school that others might have from a socioeconomic standpoint. Um, our folks, uh, while we while we do have folks in, in, that do have some troubles in that area, as a general rule, our kids are are come to school w- well set and ready to go to be good learners. So, so what we which has up, its challenges. It it does it does. I mean, we have you know we have very involved parents, and in, in I guess if my choice were involved versus uninvolved, involved every day of the week. But you're right, it does come with some challenges, which is. What led into part of what some of our concerns were, we were a relatively successful program uh, across the board in a number of sports. We weren't necessarily winning state champions all the, championships all the time, but we were successful. We were getting deep into playoff runs, and, and our kids were successful, and our coaches were successful. And, and again, our parents were very involved. Um, we just started to see a shift as we became more and more successful the focus from the parents, and I think in some ways the kids, um, started to pull away from what educational athletics is about. And it was more about, for them, it started to be about wins and losses and how we behaved ourselves or or represented our communities in both wins and losses. Yeah, it gives where example. I wanted to go. Yeah, yeah. you know, we, we were having parents getting nasty with fans. And if we didn't have, if we didn't have a a good outcome, it must be the official's fault. Um, Or, you know, look what they're doing as opposed to, to looking at at ourselves and what we were doing. But also the kind of the, what the coaches and all the staff feels from that pressure, right? Sometimes successful programs get that expectation uh, disease where they're expected to win every time. And, you might have a young team. Like there's some reality that's happening. And we, and we had to have conversation with coaches because, again, you know, the, the fans and players feed off what coaches do on the sidelines. So more than once we had to have conversation with coaches, not that they were out of line, but when they would get excited or upset with an official, then that 
that gave credence to the, the folks in the stands that felt, well, if the coach can get after the official, I can get after the official. And that wasn't the message we were trying to say, send at the time. So we really just wanted to take a look at what can we do differently uh, when our folks go and represent us somewhere. And it was really about when we go on the road. It started as a, when we're on the road, how do I want people to see our community? Were they just seeing our you already a certain way? Like, did a stigma come out and like, hey, Madeira is this. Yeah, I felt like we started to get a reputation that we were difficult fans and difficult teams to play against in the sense that we weren't um, we weren't great competitors other than on the field. We were we were you weren't winning sportsmanship awards. We weren't winning sportsmanship awards. Let's just put it that way. Yes, that's a great way to phrase it. And so I just wanted to, to take a look at was it just me or did other people see what I saw? And that's how it started. And But how many years were you at Madeira before you realized this? So the, I had been at Madeira 10 years. Okay. So, um, and it wasn't always that way. Okay. I mean, when I first got there, Madeira had just started to be successful from an athletic standpoint. It's my understanding that prior to that, they were some really, really tough years for them. Okay. So, and I think part of that led into why all of a sudden we started to, to read our own newspaper clippings and we started exactly. to believe the hype because all of a sudden we started to be successful and that wasn't always the case. So the progression of your career there was we were not successful, we grew, we became successful, we sustained success. Yes. And then we got to that matured area of, you know, now we started to have kind of a persona around our yep. success. That's exactly right. Okay. That's exactly right. And so when you took a step back and said, hey, there needs to be change, what were the, the elements that you saw? You, you talked about a little bit earlier, we needed to be better away. Yes. Um, but at, at away games, but what you did with your culture was way more than that. Yeah, so what I really did is I started with getting a group of, of stakeholders. Um, I had coaches, kids. Uh, I'd gotten our community uh, rec program uh, directors involved. Um, and if just a few other people that were voices in the community that I thought were important to have. And just, we basically sat around a table and go, and I said, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing parents getting nasty with officials. I see kids complaining about calls. I see coaches doing this. I said, I can control two of those three groups. Mm -hmm. I said, that third group, I need your help with. You're my group, right? So am I missing something? Are you seeing it? And surprisingly, everybody around the table said, yeah, I see it too. We, right. How can we help? And so that's really where it started. I mean, it was really just spitballing ideas around a table going, okay, what does this mean? Yeah, but there's so much that was up against changing that atmosphere because you wanted to go back to education-based athletics and all these wholesome values right. and all this. But, I mean, we see it all the time. It's, But my need, kid needs to play because of the, the kids are, are college coaches want to watch him or we need to promote scholarships and what how many scholarships our athletes have. So, you know, people want to come here and be athletes here. We – we want the nicest jerseys, we, like all these things that are more on the select side of things. Um, you know, select is sexy and education based athletics is sometimes not as. So, I mean, I, I could only imagine the, the mountain you were up against when you said, all right, let's make a change. And, and you're right. Select is 
was always kind of the thing that we would get. Well, when my kid goes to their insert select team here, this is what they do. And you just had to remind them, but we're not a select team. That's not what we what we do. There's a reason those teams are different than than our teams. There's a reason those teams operate. There's a reason you're paying a fee over here to do that. Um, and some, but reading about what you did, I mean, it almost you had to have that conversation probably one on one or you know family to family. Mm-hmm. And so then you're creating this culture, kind of communicated that message constantly without you having to say it every time. Right. And the whole idea, that was exactly, it was a way to send the message without it being an aggressive message. So I don't want to have to go to a fan in the stands and say, you need to do X, Y, Z. What I wanted it to be, I wanted the message to be, if I said to you this, you knew what that meant. And at that point, we didn't know what that was. I mean, it ended up being, when we originally started it, it was, um, do you measure up? Do you measure by the M? And so, if I was having a problem with a kid, a player, a coach, all I had to say was, do you measure up? And they knew from that phrase, the idea was they would know from that phrase that whatever they were doing probably wasn't within the framework of where we wanted them to be from a context standpoint. And that phrase kind of sums up all the core covenants that you Yes, yes. So the, the core covenants really came out of um, a presentation that I had seen from proactive coaching, Bruce okay. Brown and Rob Miller. Okay. Um, we, I had gone to a, 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 awesome. a thing like this, yeah. uh, in a, I think it was a national, um, it was a national presentation that they did. And I really fell in love with their core covenants process and the idea of if you don't, if you're not intentional about, about your culture, you're not intentional about your covenants, they don't just happen. Um, you, you have to, if you're going to believe it, and you're going to do it, then you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to be intentional about it. And, and the kids are going to have to know, the parents are going to have to know, coaches are going to have to know, these are why we're doing what we're doing. And this is what we believe. And so that's where it came out of. I, we went through, I went to that training, came back to my group and said, we need to, we need to figure out what it is that we believe in. And once we figure that out, then we need to get our message out. And then how do you best send that message out? And that's what it really started. So then that process of figuring out what do we need to do? I think it's always interesting because I do a lot of coaching seminars, business seminars, and athletic director seminars, and they all talk about core values. Right. You need to establish your core values. And what, what I always find is it's one guy has the idea and he lets everybody else talk about it. So they feel like they contributed. But really, there's one person that, that spawns it. So, I mean, I kind of... Don't know what your answer is going to be to this, but like, how do you actually get real contributions from all those stakeholders? Yeah. Because you as an athletic administrator want it to go this way. You right. already have an idea of where it should go, but you're, you're trying to involve so many people. Do they have that same vision? Yeah. So it, I picked my group that I wanted to deal with based on what I felt was going to be a like position. Okay. And where we were headed and what we needed to do. Um, on the same page. So we we're on the same So page. I knew going in that they were they were more likely to feel that change was was needed and they were gonna be able to contribute to me the way I needed them to contribute with ideas and in thoughtful process about making change. So I already knew, I just didn't pick people willy-nilly. I had some idea going in that the folks I picked would be okay with being on board with what the direction we wanted to head. Mm-hmm. Now, the covenants really came out of 
just discussions. I crafted them and I worded them, but it was really the, the, the wording was really about a feeling or a philosophy or a position. It really wasn't, you know, we didn't all sit around and craft the, the covenant itself, but it was more of a philosophy or a, or a, or a belief system more than anything else. And After I needed them because they were, yeah, because they were in the community. And so if the, I wanted the community to be involved with it because if I'm going to have to go up in the stands and talk to somebody from the community, they need to know what I'm talking about. So that's why they knew the community better than I knew it. And just as an example, what are the, what were their roles in the community? Like you don't have to say specifically. Yeah, so they like were a, parents, they okay. were youth um, coaches, youth director. They weren't coaches. They were the youth directors of their org, different like the Madeira youth football organization, cool. okay. the Madeira soccer organization. So any business people or professionals? So those them? guys were business people okay. already. Okay. So the parent was a business person um, and they are, they all worked at different levels in the community or had different roles in the community, different positions. I lived in the community. So it, it also was a little bit you just knew that these were good people. These were people, yeah. They were on the same page yeah. with where you were seeing things yeah. needed to happen. Got it. Okay. So then you sit them all in a room, and then you talk about the issues, and then the philosophies and ideas that come from those conversations kind of directed, um, you know, or created these core covenants yes. through those conversations. Okay. So you you have these covenants. And just so we have them real quick, what, what were they going into um, – you know, one by one, I think there was like five or seven of them. Yeah, I, I'm embarrassed to say I don't know because they've changed. Okay. So it's a little hard to go back. I'm trying to think and go back what they were. Um, I could tell you what they are now. Yeah, um, well, that's... So now we use uh, accountability and action, care and connect, um, create and explore, and challenge and support. Those are our, what we call our pillars. It's, it's what we refer to as our culture playbook now. I kind of turn it back to a a sport analogy. So those are the big headings in our playbook. It didn't start there. It's evolved. It's actually changed. This is the third time it's, it's had a facelift or a renovation since we started it in 2000 or 2012. When our original core covenants came out there, they've changed three times since then. So yeah, that's a question I wanted to hit later on after we established more of uh, the backstory of this. Um, But really, you know, that, what do you do after it's been successful? Do you just plug and play or do you recreate every time? So not to dive too much into that. Um, okay. But then you started going on. Do you measure up? Yes. Early. Do you measure up was our catchphrase. Cool. Okay. And, and that was our, our hook, so to speak, right? Quick so, way yeah. to just kind of check people and say, Hey, is that of our standard? Yep. So, okay. You, you established, do you measure up? And from there, or your covenants from there, how did you actually create the way to distribute these? So, yeah, what was really kind of cool about the way this hall all untangled itself is, is I got kids involved and they said, you know, you know, kids really like, they like t-shirts. I said, okay, let's get (laughs) t-shirts. That's so simple. Right. So they're like, you know, look at Mr. Kimmy, anytime we do a t-shirt sale, everybody buys the t-shirt. Let's do t-shirts. Okay, what does that mean? What does it look like? Whatever. And so I had a couple of young athletes that were also in art club. Uh-huh. And I just said, go design the shirt. It's for kids. You tell me what kids are going to want. And so our, brand, our initial branding, the first time we ever rolled this out, was designed by the students. The art club came back to me and said, here's your t-shirt design. This is it. 
let's go. There were no renditions back and forth, edits or anything like that? Um, a little bit. I mean, I gave them like conceptually what I saw in my mind uh-huh. and they took it and I just said, again, you you guys got to own it. So what's the t-shirt you're going to wear? That's a what's, good way to what's put it. What's the thing? Yeah. What's the thing? If, if I design and you don't like it, nobody wears it, the message dies. What is it that you guys want to do? And so they came back with me and it was a perfect rendition. It was awesome. It was an M with inside the M was a bunch of the words that we used during the process. Accountability, um, character, um, sportsmanship. So it was an M with all these words inside it. And on the back, it said, do you measure up? And that's all it said. Um, and so the second part of that is how do we roll this out to kids? Right. How do we get kids buy in? And so, and I'm kind of deviating here a little bit yeah. because before we even started to roll this out from an athletic standpoint, I had a principal stop me midway and said, this is, this is bigger than athletics. He goes, I want to roll this out to the school. How can we roll this out to the school? So in midstream, we went from creating, a, and we still had our athletic covenants, don't get me wrong, but the culture part of it and, and the momentum that had gotten with students, the principal said, I want to make this a school initiative. How, do, what's, how can we make this bigger than just athletics? So it went from T-shirts to then getting teacher buy-in, and we very simply asked them to do one thing, try to find one student during the course of the year that you can give them a positive, we call it a high five card. You give them a positive referral. It's easy. The good kids are always getting accolades. The bad kids tend to always seem get negative attention. Uh But what do you do for that middle of the road kid? The kid that doesn't excel at necessarily anything, but is a great kid and does as well as they can, but it's never going to reach that, you know, I'm getting an, an academic or an athletic award at the end of the day. So our focus with teachers was find those kids, find the kids, find a way to give a kid a positive referral. So it went from core covenants, athletics, kids create this t-shirt. There's a momentum that starts rolling. Principal says, let's make this larger. And it just simply started with, okay, teachers, I need you to do a positive referral. So, okay. How many kids in your school? 450. How many How many teachers? Oh, I'm going to say roughly 75, okay. 100 staff members, including aides and so on and so, so forth. So they didn't have to write one. You didn't have to cover every student, did you? No, but the goal was to try to get a positive referral to every one of our students. It's interesting that you talked about the middle group because in coaching, they talk about, hey, by the end of a four-year term in high school or in college, a third of them will get it. Yep. A third of them will follow or a third of them will not get it. And so you're playing with that middle ground of just trying to get the third to motivate that middle third to get more people that are for the culture, for the program and take ownership of it. And that's exactly what this is, is, hey, if we can get that middle group of, of people that are just kind of going wherever the wind takes them, if we can get them to buy into something. Yes. That's awesome. So that was exactly it. High five cards. And they, they write that every teacher did one at least. So the goal was that every teacher write at least one card. Most teachers wrote more than one. Not every teacher wrote a card. I mean, I, the, the funny thing is, is, is when we started this and, and I talked about, you have to be intentional on, on making sure this kind of thing happens. 
I tracked it. I tracked every card, every teacher. I, I have a list. I still, to this day, have a spreadsheet with every student in our school on it. Cards come to my office, and I track them. Little Jimmy has one. Susie wrote it. Okay, so nobody doubled up. No, they did. Okay. They did because teachers didn't know exactly. who else was writing cards, okay. right? And I didn't want them to know. Sorry, I'm diving so okay. much no, into no, the, no. the details of this because okay. the amount of impact that you talk about this having. It was huge. It was huge. Unbelievable. It, it was hard to believe. It, it, it was it's comical a little bit that a high school kid just gets a postcard sent home. It says, to the parents of, teacher fills out everything else, signs it, and it just gets mailed home. The impact that that card had on students was crazy. Like, I didn't expect it. I didn't, I would get phone calls from parents that said, hey, that little yellow card, it hangs on our refrigerator. The kid's a senior in high school. They're 18 years old. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's unbelievable. And and the amount of kids that maybe were struggling academically or struggling in the school building, I mean, to get that card home when usually they may have been getting a a disciplinary referral, and now they've got a, a nice card from a parent or a teacher who said, hey, I appreciate how well you did on the test or great effort this weekend or, you know, whatever it was. It's just, it was amazing how kids bought into it. It was something so simple. So just a card that we sent home. Yeah. I think that's cool that the, it's not only how it made the kid feel, but it also made the parent feel proud. Because too many kids walk through our hallways and they hear don't do this or don't do that. Or why did you do this? Why did you do that? They don't always mm-hmm. hear the great job. Nice job. We forget about it sometimes. And especially that middle third. Exactly. You for, it's easy to forget about the middle third. Yep. I, I love it. And so, and you talk about it being, how did that change? Like the culture of the, of the actual atmosphere of the school from the teachers to the students, to the athletes. I mean, now it's like a full blown School. Actually, we should back up because you have not told us how it was actually delivered. You yeah, so t-shirts. one of the cool things that came out of getting the kids involved was, you know, so they created the t-shirt. And so to, kind of a timeline, this has taken place in the spring of 2012. Okay. It doesn't really get rolled out to students until the fall of 13 because uh, okay. there's some behind the scenes work that we're doing. But the thing that happens is part of my meeting with students how do you roll this out? And again, by now the principal said, we're changing this and you know, we're doing. So the students decided that the best way to roll it out to, to students was to have an assembly the first Friday of the school year. And we still do it to this day. Okay. So the first Friday of the school year, we, um, the students invited other students and staff members to speak to the, to the student body on this new culture what it was that we were going to do. And so, you know, I, I told you there was an M with all those words in it that yeah. were the catchphrases yeah. uh, or the words that we use, the adjectives we use to describe it. Um, they picked three and each student spoke on one of the three words that was going to be the focus for the year. Um, and so that's how it started. So I had students presenting to their classmates on what it meant to be accountable or what it meant to be have great character or what it meant to work to, to what it meant to, to work hard. It sounds nice, but yes. I've been in those school meetings, school assemblies, and it's like, all right, here comes the yeah. student body president again to tell us about they how- They worked the student body president. That's what it was, right? So because we involved the kids in the process, they told me who to go get speak. Here's who kids will listen to. This is the kid you've you got to awesome. have. Yeah, because if it were me, you're right. I would have picked three kids that were probably in the top third, doing something good all the time. And the, you know, But no, the student body said, 
in my group, they said, students will listen to this kid. Students will listen to this kid. And so it was, who, what teacher do you want to speak? The kids invited the teacher to speak. I didn't ask a soul. I I'm, didn't speak. In the, back, in the back of my mind, I'm like, this is politics 101. I yeah. mean, get the influential people to talk about it. Yep. And, and, and in marketing, too. I mean, this yeah. is huge. This is how you get things done. And, and how we see it in the real world is you get those influential people involved. And so that's, that was the initial buy. I mean, that's how it started. That's and because the kids were so involved on the front end, they bought in. It was their buy because it was theirs. They owned it now. All I was doing was helping to manage it from behind the scenes. But, and the message in the direction was already set. Yeah. You knew if they activated this plan, it would go here. And yep. so it didn't really matter how they activated it as long as it was going this direction. Yeah. That's awesome. And so initially it started, as I said, we used to track the little cards that would go home. And if a kid, uh, we used to announce them over the PA announcement. Cool. The following kids received cards. We've moved away from that on advice from kids and said, we don't need that. Okay. We, we don't, we don't need to do that. Yeah. Uh, we also did, um, we had little trinkets that we'd give away. If students got three cards sent home, they got a little gift or they got a free t-shirt that said, do you measure up on the back? Um, kids came to us and said, we're not doing this. We're not doing this for rewards. Get rid of the rewards. So in year two, we got rid of awards. It was, we just track them to track them. So now so many years later, there is no, there's no extrinsic value to it. It's all intrinsic. There is no, the postcard is it. The The postcard is it stayed and that's the thing that they yeah. haven't told you like hey don't worry about no that. they still like the postcard and it's really evolved they write postcards for each other staff has bought in staff writes postcards to parents they write postcards to one another um so it's really kind of evolved over the years and, and what it really did what, what i found is the staff really bought in because it really forced them to sit down and, and and find the positive in their day. When they, whatever it yeah. was that they decided to write their cards, whether it be daily, weekly, whatever. Um, it, for most of them, they, had the, they were able to reflect differently than, than they would have otherwise on certain situations, certain kids. And again, trying to find, catch them doing something good yeah. is what they were doing. It was really amazing how that... Well, it puts on that lens of like, now I'm looking for good... It's like when you buy a car... right then every car is that car. You see that car all the time, but it's because you're looking with that lens. And same thing for positiveness is when you start having a a mindset of gratitude or you're looking for positive things, then those are the things that stick out. Same thing if it's negative. And so it's just kind of a different lens to take on things. And so, but I'm going to keep trying to throw darts at this. So so what were the barriers? Where were, was there ever a time like, Hey, this is it. This, like where people wanted to get, a, get rid of this program. So it's really easy when you start making, when you talk culture mm-hmm. and you talk about all the things that we were talking about, our covenants and whatever, right? So it's easy to say those things, then, but to act those out are different, right? So it's easy to sit in, a, in an auditorium and talk about the three words, but then walking down the hallway, mm-hmm. it looks different. Um, what we found early on is that the more you talked about it, the more people would poke holes in what it was that you were doing, right? Mm-hmm. So you're talking about culture, but look what we did on, you know, this game that night, how the kids didn't react. And they were right. We didn't. But my argument to them was always, if we don't give them a roadmap, they're never going to find where they're going. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They're just they're going to continue to do what they're doing without any goal in mind. So we're going to keep talking about the goal. Yes, they're going to misstep. Yes, they're going to screw up. The more the more we brought it out and said this is our culture, the more when you take a misstep, it it's a little more glaring. Do you, and so all of a sudden it's like, well, you talk about doing things a certain way and you didn't do it. No, you're right. We didn't, but we're still talking about doing it the right way. Do you bring those like people at say, a, say a, a fan or a athlete yelled at a ref yeah. and everybody knows about it. Yep. Like they start making fun of your culture. Like, Oh yeah, the Madeira right? yeah. You know, measure up. That guy doesn't. Uh, do you bring that student in? Do you show them, you know, here's the standard. Here's where you were. Like what, what happens? So happens? typically what we found is the kids knew. I didn't have to tell them anything. Yeah. They knew the minute that whatever the action was, was going to cause some sort of ripple effect. Um, and so, yeah, there were times that you'd, we'd call kids in and coaches in and parents in and have those conversations. Like, listen, you know, we're doing a lot about, you know, is this really, when we talk about measuring up, did this meet our expectation? No. Okay, great. Do better next time, right? Just do better next time than you did this time. So that was, we didn't have a whole lot of barriers and the fact that people thought it was a bad idea. Right. Some people thought the cards were corny at first. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there was, uh, there was a time where I used to read and evaluate the card before it went out and decide whether or not it was a measure up card or was it something, you know, something different. Um, I decided that it wasn't for me to decide what was worthy of a measure up card. But did it help you being so involved in the beginning to get it to a certain level of those cards? Um, maybe. You know? um, what I found was, in self-reflection was, if the teacher felt moved enough to write about whatever it is that they were writing on, right. who am I to decide whether or not this, is a, this meets the measured up standard? But the, you, the you were making sure it was. wasn't a chore for them. They Correct. were just saying, hey, you were nice today. Great job. Right. I didn't want it to be, yes, I didn't want it to be just something that they did. Yeah. I wanted them to have real meaning. Most of them were authentic. They weren't chores. They weren't something that they had to do. Because quite frankly, I didn't, I didn't, t- I didn't go knock on doors and say, you haven't wrote a card yet. I didn't do that. What I did is I had a Google Doc that was shared with the entire staff. So the entire staff knew exactly every kid that had gotten a card and every teacher had, which teachers had written a card and how many cards each teacher had written. So it kind of a little bit, took care of itself. Yes. Yeah, so you didn't want to be the teacher who didn't have a card yeah. because there was one teacher that had 150 cards. So what does that make you if you're not the guy writing a card, right? Where does DNA come So DNA was which we got from the proactive coaching folks. That okay. was a phrase they used okay. during, um, during one of their presentations. And it means different, noticeable, and appealing. That's what DNA is. So we asked them after one of our, because they presented to our kids after we started down this road, we brought them in. And uh, Did that help bring in outside sources? It did. Okay. Because that wasn't me. It was somebody else. And, and the DNA thing caught on. Cool. And, I, and they, the kids bought into the DNA like immediately. Like, oh, I get this because we also wove it into DNA is your molecular structure, your, your setup, right? So this is who we are. This is what we are made up of. Made, uh, that connected, right? So it connected them. So we spoke about what it meant to be different, noticeable, appealing. And so at that assembly, one of the things that we did is we 
the only time I spoke at the assembly was to describe what DNA was. And it just so happened there was a student that I used as an example of what it meant to be different, noticeable, appealing. And so what we did is we told kids it's okay to be different. We want you to be different than what you see on TV. We don't want you to act like the the, the, the folks you see on social media. We don't necessarily want you to act like the way that the college athletes or pro athletes might act or, or actors and those kinds of things act on TV. It's okay to be different, but if you're be, in being different and being noticeable, you need to still be appealing. Don't be different, noticeable, and that negative impact. You want to be different, noticeable, and appealing. And so that's where DNA came in. And, and so we still use that terminology today, even though it's gone through a couple of different branding phases and it's, and it's, and it's morphed and, and been pliable through the years. DNA is one of those things that has always stuck from the beginning. Okay. So then you got the DNA, you have your core covenants and you yep. have the cards have been the staples. Yes. And so what are ways that you found, cause you're still talking about the culture playbook and your core covenants and DNA you know, seven, six, seven years later. Yeah. So easy student buy-in students are part of. So every year we revisit this with, with the students. So every year I meet with the student. Now it's student government primarily. Okay. So, so what, what has come out of the student body right. president? So what has, what has come out of, <laughs> what has come out of this is our, the way our student government is structured. The vice presidents of every class is on a, was what we call on the, the school culture committee. So they know when they run for their office that they know that part of their job is going to be dealing with school culture. And they're not the ones saying it all the time, or are they? No. They, take, they took what your role was, was essentially picking the right people to communicate. Correct. Oh. Correct. So what I do is I bring them in and go, okay, what do we need to do differently to keep this authentic for you as students? What is it that I need to do? So cool. yeah. we went from, we went from um, measured by the end, do you measure up? And we changed, it, it morphed into Madeira Strong. The, the, the structure was the same. The cultures were the same. But the kids didn't like the phrasing, do you measure up? They thought it was a little elitist. Mm-hmm. And that we were telling Fair. people that if you weren't from Madeira, then you didn't measure up. And that wasn't the message they wanted to send. I was like, awesome. Yeah. What do you want to call it? Because if you're feeling it, you own it, right? They yeah. own it. So they said, we just want to change it to be... We want to be Madeira strong. And that's what it still means the same thing, but we rebranded it because the kids were like, I don't like the, we don't like the negative connotation to do you measure up. It feels elitist. We had sign. I mean, we had signs that do you measure up? I mean, it was all over the building and kids are like, it feels for people coming in, our guests come to play us or coming to visit our school. It almost sounds if you don't go to Madeira, you don't measure up. And, what and so we need to change it. And I'm like, done. What do we got to do? And that's what's awesome about this is because it morphs so much into what the current client or we always talk about in business, current client or current customer needs, yeah. right? Um, but you know, they they communicated that to you because they got made fun of yeah. by another school. I can, I can only assume. Yeah. I think that was it. You know, somebody said, oh, you're the elitist at Madeira. And they were able to figure out a way. And I, that's why I love the exchange and the relationship you have with these student leaders because they were able to, you were open enough to change that yep. they could come to you. A 17-year-old could come to you and say, hey, we should look, relook at our, me- our message that you guys have spent so much time on yep. to make it something more appealing to our audience. So we rebranded. We rebranded everything. We did it. 
Um, and again, to this day, we still meet, I still meet with those student leaders and say, where do we go from here? That's where, you know, that's why we, we got away from giving away the trinkets or the extrinsic um, mm-hmm. rewards because they just, the kids came to me and said, that's not what we're doing this. We're not, we're doing this because we want, this is our building. We talk to our kids about you, this is your building. For the next four years, you're going to own the climate in this building. And there's nothing I can do by myself that's going to change it. It's going to live and breathe through you. And so you control how this, this building works. You have, you have autonomy here to make some changes and make it the place you want it to be. There's so much in that statement, though, because of you give somebody ownership in something, they are empowered, yep. and then they're going to be taking it way farther uh, than you could, right? Because you as an AD are the ceiling. Yep. If, you, it's all, it's, if it's about you or if it's your project, it's only the amount of time you can put into it. Yep. But it's that empowerment, your ceiling goes through the roof because you're using everybody's time across the board. Kind of yep. like we were talking about earlier with yeah. delegation too. Um, all right. So for the athletic director that gets inspired from this podcast interview or gets to talk to you, um, you know, if they hear about it or see it in an article, what is your advice for that athletic director that wants to do something similar? If you're passionate, if you're truly passionate about changing the culture, you have to be intentional. It can't, too often we use words like, well, it's, we need to change the culture. We need to do this. But if you're not intentional and purposeful about making the change, it won't just happen. You'll, there'll be bumps in the road and you're going to take some shrapnel because of it. And there's going to be some things that, that don't work out. But if, as long as you're intentional about it and you have the, and I think if you get student buy-in and you're intentional about making the change, it can happen. The story's fascinating. Uh, it's been really fun to talk to you about it. Um, you know, if, if people have questions, can they email you? Yes, it'd be great. I'd be more than happy to. I, I shared, um, I'll share anything that I've done or created or, you know, I, I emailed a, a gentleman, uh, my coach's meeting PowerPoints the other day, and it had right in there our culture playbook and every bullet point, you know, accountable in action. This is what it was. And so I'm happy to share it with anybody who wants it. It's not... It's not mine to, to hoard, you know. Well, so many people had a, a piece in it, and that's what I yeah. think is awesome about it. Yeah. And that's why it's gone so big because yeah. it wasn't. And it wasn't the intent. I mean, it's amazing. Now I look back and, you know, I, I have to think, ah, it's 2012 when we did this because it's still so fresh. I mean, it's still so every year is a new, fresh year. And to look back and see it's been going that long, it's like, wow, didn't, that wasn't our intention. Our, my intention was just to try to change the way our kids behaved on the athletic fields or how our parents behaved in the stands. And it's morphed into this thing that kind of just grew legs. It, and I got to give the credit to the kids because that wasn't my intention. My intention was just to make this an athletic thing. And the fact that the kids adopted it, ran with it, owned it, and still own it to this day is unbelievable. I mean, that's, that's the, the cool thing about it is the, the kids took it and ran. Made it easy for me. Well, you get... you. That's that's the role that athletic directors and I think leaders at any level play is they put in the energy and the effort and the focus to get it off the ground, right? Yep. Um, the Good to Great book talks about just moving that rock. That rock is yep. so hard to move at first, but once you get it rolling, other people see, hey, this is kind of cool, and they put in, and then you're you're not pushing as hard anymore. And so, yep. um, commend you for all the work you did just to Thank get it you. going and, and to keep it going because that's hard too. And uh, I know you got to get to this social here. So Joe, appreciate your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. It was fun.
Thanks for listening to the AD Insider Podcast. We're here to help provide access to experts and educators in the field of athletic administration so you can make scholastic sports one of the most memorable experiences for your student-athletes. Now, this being your podcast too, please let us know what you'd like to hear next. All you have to do is message us on social media or reach out to us on our website, athleticdirectorinsider.com. Also on that website, check out what we're doing. We're putting up clips every single week from conferences we filmed across the country, interviews we've done inside of schools, all with the effort to showcase what others are doing to help you and your community. Until next time, I'm Pat Cohan. Keep making a big impact out there by bringing your best self to school every single day.